You're listening to the Fearless Kitchen Podcast. And now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Hey there, episode 50 of the Fearless Kitchen. New brand, a new guy introducing me, the gorgeous Tony Morell. Uh, if you're a Kiwi, you'll know him from TV and from Radio Live, and I often get the chance to co-host with him on his Home and Garden show on a Saturday morning. Uh, he was awesome enough to do the intro for us for the podcast as we move forward as the Fearless Kitchen. So that's exciting. Huge, huge shout out to World Podcasts. Uh, they are my podcast partner. They help me get these episodes together and get them out to you. So, wow, how exciting to be here on our 50th episode. Thanks again for staying with me, for listening to me each week. It is so awesome to have you along on the journey. Today's a pretty different one. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something out of it. And um, I look forward to chatting with you again next week. And meantime, stay tuned for episode 50. I'll take what's good. So you know a little bit about me. Today I'm going to share a story which is probably, you know, a little more personal and serious. I have already shared this on a podcast that Will Fleming hosts called My Kiwi Life. And we touched on this subject a little bit uh, when he asked some rather pertinent questions that I chose to answer honestly rather than avoid. And, you know, this is um, a difficult subject to talk about, but it's about the period in my life where I initially put on a lot of weight um, and then got quite cross with myself and then decided um, that I obviously I needed to lose that weight but went a lot further than that and unfortunately um, fell into a really poor cycle which resulted in me being anorexic for a good couple of years. But back in the 1980s, uh, people didn't talk about anorexia the way that they do today and there was certainly not the support groups or access to them or public knowledge about them in the way that they are today. And in hosting this episode and having a chat about it, um, I am going to give a shout out to a really good friend of mine, Kirsty from Melbourne University. Uh, we, we just actually caught up in January and we sat and we were having a fantastic chat about our awesome time at Melbourne Uni together. Um, And she's just such a core friend and such a great, um, cool person. And thanks to Facebook, big shout out to Facebook, we rediscovered each other and I've had the fantastic opportunity now to see her twice in Melbourne when I visited in the last year. But uh, we were talking about the period in my life of anorexia and the fact that she knew, my other friends knew that I was in trouble, but they didn't know what to do about it, so they just decided to avoid the discussion. And I think that there is nothing wrong in what they did in that time because no one knew how to handle someone who just decided to stop eating. No one knew what to say to me, um, and it's a really, really tender subject. But it was a really, really horrid, awful Uh, miserable period of time for me and 
my heart goes out to any girl, um, and it tends to be girls, to any person who finds themselves or finds a family member um, with this horrendous disease because it is a disease. Uh, this is not just someone deciding to perpetually diet. This is someone who, for some reason or another, decides to diet um, or hates their body image or whatever it is and heads into this real dark place of not being able to actually logically look at themselves and say, hey, enough's enough. You, you know, you're at a good weight now. Now you've got lots of energy. You look great and off you go. I want to talk about it. It probably won't be the only episode that I talk about it. And if you're listening to this um, and it's uncomfortable for you, I'm really sorry about that, but I think that it's a topic that needs uh, to be aired. I think that it's part and parcel, and I said this to Will, of being passionate about something. You become completely obsessed. I was passionate about food. Bizarrely, uh, this was through the period of time that I was working at Tony Sassy's and completely obsessed with the whole world of food and hospitality, yet I was playing games with myself, I was playing games with others in telling them how I was looking after myself, and on reflection I was not looking after myself at all. I remember reading a book about a girl who was anorexic, and I think the book had possibly been written to try to help other girls out there not to follow suit, However, I remember reading it almost as an inspirational, motivational book for myself. Like, what did she do um, to ensure that she lost so much weight? And I think at some point along there in the book, she said something or other about only living on one apple a day, and, and that, that was possible in her mind. So I thought, well, if she can think that, I can do that. I am literally going to just eat an apple because I'll be fine because this girl's done it. Uh, the fact that, you know, she plummeted into into anorexia and, and probably ended up in hospital was, you know, completely the furthest thing from my mind. She had just managed to survive on an apple a day, so she could, I would. And occasionally I would treat myself to a single vanilla frozen yogurt from the shop at Melbourne Uni. And every opportunity, it got to the point with every opportunity, I stood on a pair of scales to see if I had lost weight or gained weight or stayed the same. I learnt to love the feeling of hunger pains. I thought if, if I felt the hunger pains, that was excellent. It meant I was doing a good job on losing weight. And I started to plummet from about... I think I had started at about 76 kilos to 72 kilos to 65 kilos, to 60 kilos, and so it went on and on and on and on until I reached 48 kilos. Now, I'm 5 foot 8 or 176 centimetres tall, and I'm certainly not petite or fine-boned, so that weight was really not good. I remember an ex-boyfriend picking me up from the airport when I went home once to Perth in the midst of that year. I thought I looked so cool. I had on these skinny black jeans and I had on, you know, a really tight T-shirt and I was all dressed in black because I'd been at Melbourne Uni and I thought I was pretty cool to be all in black. And I went home for a Perth summer, which, you know, you just don't wear black in Perth at the best of times and you certainly don't wear black in a Perth summer, but that's what I did. 
And he picked me up from the airport and just took one look at me and said, girl, you need to eat. I was devastated, absolutely devastated. I'd spent all year losing weight and he said, you need to eat. So, you know, sorry, struck from friendship for a while because I don't need people around me who are going to be negative about this massive effort I've put in to lose weight. I think he was probably about the only person who said anything. Uh, It's the only comment that I actually remember from that period of time. But when I was back in Perth in that period, you know, there were lots of parties and people turning 21 and just being young and off to the beach during the day and loads of sun and probably not a lot of water and then going off and having cocktails in the evening or having a few drinks with friends and I was so ill. I would be so ill, of course, because I couldn't take the alcohol. I should not have been drinking at all. But in my mind, they were the calories, and if I was going to do that, then I shouldn't eat. So it just became this absolutely ridiculous cycle of, well, I want to go out for cocktails with my friends, but that's going to be a lot of calories. So I won't eat during the day to compensate for the fact that I'm going to intake a lot of calories at night. The fact that my body was just intaking alcohol, you know, was ridiculous. And then I would go home um, to my parents, and I remember vividly sitting on a kitchen bench at midnight or one o'clock in the morning when I got home with a teaspoon and eating vanilla ice cream out of the freezer um, and just eating it, eating it, eating it, eating it, eating it, and then going to bed and then waking up in the morning regretting how much ice cream I'd eaten. However, I believe that dairy, the ice cream there and the odd frozen yogurt that I would allow myself at Melbourne Uni probably saved my life because um, at these really odd moments I would indulge in ice cream and yogurt on top of my apple. Oh, so ridiculous. You know, where was my head at? And that's the thing. Where was my head at? And I don't know. I really don't know. But I do know that it was a really dark place. And it's only been since that I've been able to talk to people about it who were in my life at that period. Just um, I tricked them. Um, particularly my parents. I just tricked them. I've already eaten. I ate with my friends when I was out. No, I'm not going to have breakfast because I'm going down to the beach and we're meeting for breakfast. And then I'd get to the beach and I'd say to my friends, I'm not having breakfast. I just had it at home. It was just a constant cycle of lying to people about when I'd eaten and how I'd eaten and the fact that I didn't need to eat anymore, which was horrible. Uh, At the end of that year, um, oh, and you know, crazy, crazy. At the end of uh, the year in Perth, as I went back to Perth and lived there for a year, working, of course, for a catering company in the evenings whilst I was finishing off some study in Perth, I worked for a catering company around food. Uh, It's just so ironic. Again, I didn't eat, but I worked in the field that I was so passionate about. And at the end of that year, still in really poor health, in general, because it's mental as well as physical, I decided to take off and do my overseas experience in London. And I landed in London and I was very blessed in that a very good friend from Perth was living there at this stage with his family who had been moved there as expats. And they lived in a fantastic house and he said, hey, this is awesome that you're coming to England you definitely have to come and have Christmas with us. It would be amazing. So come and hang out for, you know, a few weeks. We've got this massive house. Mum and Dad will be totally happy to have you and you can come and and live with us and get yourself sorted and then you can find a place to stay and find a job and all that stuff. Thank 
goodness because I went to stay with them and his mother would not accept any story. Absolutely unacceptable. You are eating. It was just no nonsense. It was like she just somehow read the situation and went, no, not in my house. You will sit here and you will eat. Uh, And that's the way it's going to be. And on top of that, there was nowhere to go. I didn't have a car at that point. I was a guest. Thankfully, my mum and dad had brought me up to have perfect manners. So if I was presented with food in front of me at a guest's house, I kind of really needed to eat it and I needed to finish it all that was on my plate. And there was no nonsense about small serves. Uh, This mum, she was absolutely ensuring that I was eating And amazing, that first year uh, in London, I turned a massive corner and just kind of got my balance back and found my place and sorted out my job and my flatting and everything else I needed to do and had a much more healthy approach to looking after myself um, and food and eating. But having said that, I'd, I'd say that year took the whole year to really allow myself to comfortably put the weight back on and kind of get to a happy place of feeling comfortable with where my weight was at at the end of that and what is a healthy weight for me. And that has never left. Even being pregnant, I struggled. I struggled to accept that I would put on weight in carrying babies because I could not get through my head that... It was okay to stand on scales and have the scales go up by a kilo and a kilo and a kilo and a kilo. That that was a healthy thing to do. I could never have been able to get that through my head. And consequently, I didn't put on a lot of weight for my three pregnancies and it wasn't good. Uh, The doctor kept saying, you know, you need to put, you need to eat more, you need to put on weight. I couldn't do it. I, I literally did not feel excited about being able to stand on the scales and, and put on weight. So bizarre. And even today, I still, I try really hard not to stand on scales every day. I try so hard not to do that. But I am still conscious of my weight. I am conscious of the upper limits and the lower limit that I believe is healthy for me. And I would be devastated, I know, if I started to inch above the upper limit. And that is anorexia. That is in your brain. That is how you live. And I've recently done a study with um, to support the Otago University who are doing a whole gene study um, around anorexia and whether there are components of our makeup that it could predict, be predictors for having anorexia so that they can get early intervention for people um, who are likely to succumb to this disease and even then I sent in my information for them to determine whether I actually do it, do and did have anorexia or fit into some other category and when they rang me for the interview I'm like I'm not really sure that I actually had anorexia by the way I, uh, so you know I would hate to skew your um, whole process and she just she wasn't laughing but she kind of was and said um, oh no definitely you fit the criteria and I said oh really because I was never really labeled as anorexia still Still to this day, I know in my heart what went on, but still to this day, 
I'm, I, I still have this little question, well, are you sure? Because I really don't want you to mess up your trial if I didn't really have anorexia, if I was really just kind of in a dieting mode. So I think, you know, if you are someone who has struggled with an eating disorder, um, you know, you probably haven't even told that many people or maybe haven't gone public at all or maybe it's something that you have just dealt with and you're aware of um, and it's just how you live. My heart goes out to you because I know it is not easy and no one else can really understand, but there are some support groups out there nowadays and there is a lot more information and I think that's fantastic because uh, it's really cruel. It's a really, really cruel disease. It's a cruel way to live, but it does. It does come part and parcel with this whole obsessive, determined, gritty kind of personality that people like me have. You know, I am completely committed to my passion of food and somewhere in there I think there must be a correlation with kind of uh, this kind of eating disorder um, propensity as well. Uh, Anyway, serious episode today, not full of fun and laughter Um, but something that I felt was really important to talk to you about, um, to my listeners about. And I really hope that you share it, if you need to, with others who you know are either in this position themselves or maybe have family members who who are or maybe you have friends who have daughters that are going through this. Because what I want to say is whilst this is sobering, Whilst this is a bit scary and it is a really serious episode, in spite of all of that, I have succeeded in having children, beautiful boys. I have succeeded in uh, working and um, being able to follow my passion and do what I do. Uh, And I am able to cope with regular everyday life and, and be, you know, the person that I really want to be. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's just something you have to manage along your way. And I think if a young girl who is going through a poor self-image stage, uh, maybe already headed down the path of anorexia, is wondering, am I always going to feel like this? Is it always going to be about counting calories or taking medicines to stop myself feeling like this? No, no. It isn't always going to be at the forefront of your mind. It doesn't need to completely overtake everything. It doesn't need to consume you and overpower you. But it will be there somewhere. So you just have to be conscious yourself that it's there somewhere. There is a kind of way that you could head if you allow yourself to. So just be aware. But Use that quality that you obviously have in yourself about being so in control and obsessed about something and put it to something else. Put it into an area that is a healthy way of being obsessed about and in control about. If you can find some amazing, healthy solution to that, that's how I did it. Now, this is not necessarily advice for all, but that's how I have managed to manage the anorexia that I live with okay I'm exhausted talking about that so I am going to sign off for today Um, loads of love thank you so much for listening as always any comments you know you can touch base with me either 
You know, if you want to reach out to me on this subject, please don't hesitate to email me. Uh, the email is info, as in short for information, info at vanessabaxter.co.nz. Uh, obviously, through my website as well, there's a contact form. Um, I have a Facebook page, a private Facebook group for foodies. So there's plenty of ways to be in touch. And I absolutely would love you to reach out. Let me know any comments about this episode or about any of the others that you've listened to. And, of course, any questions you have that you feel that I might be able to answer, please send them in. would be absolutely thrilled to hear from you. Thanks so much.